That's it. Okay. This week's parish is the parish of Truma. The parish of Truma discusses at the beginning all of the things that had to be brought by B'nai Israel as a contribution in order to enable Moshe Rabbeinu and the artisans to build the Mishkan and everything else that was necessary. That's the parish of Truma. That's this week's parish. In Truma there's a Pasuk. And the Pasuk says, Avnei Shoam Avnei Miluim now, all of these words are kind of mysterious, but we'll take a stab at it. Right? Uh, an ephod is um, something that the Kohen wore. The Kohen got to wore an ephod. An ephod is a, uh, like an apron that has a front and a back to it. Like you probably tie it at the sides. That's an ephod. And it has tefiot. It goes over the shoulders. It, you know, that, that's how it was. The Choshen was a breastplate that the Kohen also wore. That, uh, so th- these are the obj- items of clothing, and what I'm telling you is more or less agreed. No one that I know has ever seen a Kohen or seen a Kohen dressed up. But those are the, uh, those are the general assumptions. So in the directives that Moshe Rabbeinu gave, about the uh, things that have to be collected in order to prepare everything for the Mishkan. So the Pasuk says, Avnei Shoham. Shoham, let's assume they're precious stones. I don't know exactly what that means. A precious stone, I guess, is not so common. It's not like a stone that you find in Yerushalayim that you can build a building from. A precious stone is an uncommon stone. So there was an uncommon stone that was named Shoham. That was the name of the city. It was Avnei Shoham. Now that's as far as I can go. I don't know anything about the reality of it. I mean, I'm not always impressed that the people who tell me what it really was, what it was, are so impressed that they know what it really is either, you know. Uh, it's like if, you know, Rashi says something, and you don't know what it is, you look it up in a modern dictionary, it says the same thing, and then at the bottom it says Rashi. Like, you know, it's like everything goes in this kind of circle. You don't get more information. You just get it filtered in a different way. So, Avne Shoham, so Shoham seems to be the name of a precious stone. Like, stones have names, right? But the second thing that they have to bring is Avne Miluim. That doesn't sound like the name of a stone. That sounds like stones that were used for a certain purpose. Miluim. Lemalot. So you see this little passage, this simple little passage getting more complicated, right? In other words, someplace in the Ephod you used precious stones, and someplace in the Choshen you used precious stones. But the passage doesn't tell us exactly what that place is. Avnei Shoham. You have to forgive me here. I was I went to visit the eye doctor and he dilated my eyes and he promised me that by eight o'clock everything would be fine. So now I want my money back. <laughs> you know, 
I felt good. I felt good until 8 o'clock. Just give his name and you can get revenge. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's a good doctor, but I think, you know, he's afraid of losing me at that moment, you know. Oh, he's not going to get his eyes dilated, you know. So I, so I, so it's right, everything is right, it's just I can't see what's on this piece of paper. So any event, it says, Avme Shoham, Shtayim Chutzrichu. Shum, a fold. So you know that the coin wore this a fold. It's like a, uh, like a, it's almost like a dress, like a very short dress, on top of his with these two things, shoulders. So on the shoulders, on the shoulders, they put on each shoulder they put a stone that was a shoham, litzorach. Um, so Rashi says that the continuation of the story about this stones is in next week's parasha, in the parasha of Tetzaveh. So that, that there's a continuum here between our parasha and the parasha of Tetzaveh. Now let's go back to the problem of the Pasuk. Avne Shoham are stones that have a name, right? But Avne Miluim don't seem to have a name. They're not stones that have a name. Miluim, Rashi says, Al Shem Shol Simlehem Bezahav Moshav Kamin Guma. It's like you put the stone in a setting. That's what we say today, right? You put the stone in a setting. So a Guma, the word Guma means a uh, like a hole, something dug out. You, you made this kind of dug out place in which to grab onto the stones, and those are avnei avnei miluim. Shosim lehem zahab moshav kimin guma. Vinotnin ha'even sham lemalot hagufa. So aguma. So why are they called miluim? Miluim to fill something, malay to make it full. Because Miluim is filling up this guma that holds the, the stone in place, like a stone setting. You have a, a ring, so the ring, you have to grab onto the stone somehow. So there are different ways to do it, right? You could do it with like prongs, or you could do it with like a, a setting, with a, like a plate. You put the stone into a plate, and somehow it's set there very... Uh, very, uh, uh, very significantly. So what Rashi is saying is that Shoham is the name of a stone, but Miluim is what you do with the stone. You make it into uh, Avnei Miluim. It's not the name of it. So you need uh, uh, to build this, uh, to, to build the Mishka properly, to get the big day kahuna, you need Avnei Shoham, and you need Avnei Miluim. That's what Rashi says. And then, La'ifod v'lachoshet. La'ifod v'lachoshet, Avnei HaShoham La'ifod, Avnei HaMiluim La'choshet. So he says, these stones, the stones that are called Shoham, they are going to end up on the Eifod. Where are the Eifod are they going to end up? On the shoulders. Like the Kohen had a, a, on each shoulder, he had a stone. Then the Avnei Miluim, the stones that are set in a setting, those are the stones that are used for the Choshen. Choshen is like a breastplate, 
And on the breastplate, there were 12 stones of different, uh, uh, the, the uh, what do you call it, the, the psukim tell us what the stones are. Uh, you know, we may not know exactly what they are, but it's in the psukim. So that's what, that's what Rashi says. Um, and then he says, do we read this? So these words, a fod and choshen, are explained later on in the parsha of Titzaveh, and it tells you exactly. The Torah tells you exactly where you put these, where you put these stones. Okay. So now let's look at the parsha of Titzaveh. That's Shemot Perikavchet. That's next week's parsha. But uh, listen, we're trying to figure out what the show, the, the Avnei Shoham are. So it says Lakata et Shtei Avnei Shoham. Right, there are two of them. Now we just learned. Ufitachta alehem Shemot bnei Yisrael. Pituach in Israel, in Hebrew, is to etch to etch something into the stone. Now, how they etched into the stone is a problem. But, you know, exactly what this, but that's what, what pituach means. They took the stones, these two stones, that are called Avnei Shoham. I hope this is not getting too confusing. But the Avnei Shoham, Shoham being the name of a particular stone, even though I don't venture to guess what that is. So he says, Avnei Shoham, you etch on the stones the names of B'nai Yisrael. What names of B'nai Yisrael was there, were there when Moshe Rabbeinu built the Mishkan? The names of the tribes. So it means, so as we know, there's six names. It's, here's the Pesach. Shisha Mishmotam al ha'even ha'achat. That Shmot ha'shisha ha'notarim al ha'even ha'shenit. Right, so you put six names on one stone, on one shoulder, and six names on the other stone, which is placed on the other shoulder, right? And then it says that word, litoldotam. Kitoldotam, sorry. What does kitoldotam mean? What's so the in chronological order? In chronological order. So you say, well, why, why the Torah stress the chronological order. I mean, what difference does it make how you put the names on the stones that you put on the shoulder of the Kohen Gadot? So Rashi is going to tackle this. Rashi says, Kitoldotam, do. That's what Kitoldotam means. In the order, chronological order, the older ones first and the younger ones last. Reuven Shimon Levi Yehuda Dan Naftali Alachat Lalasheni Tzad Asher Yisachaz Zevulud Yosef Ubinyamin Balei Shekainu Katuv Bimkom Toldato. So Rashi gives us another piece of curious information. Binyamin Malay. You see Binyamin Malay. The name Binyamin. Are there any Binyamins here? Are you the mothers or grandmothers? Who? Oh, where'd you come from? <laughs> Miriam, I told you. Now look, for those of you who are related to somebody named Binyamin, uh, uh, when you read the Torah, the, the name comes up, of course you're curious about it, so you should, you know 
that the word Binyamin, the name Binyamin is spelled in two different ways in the Torah. One is called Malay and the other is called Chaser. Malay, Bin, Ben, Nun, Ya, Yud, Mem, Yud, Nun. Right, two Yuds. That's called Malay. But it's also written in the Tanakh, Chaser. That the second Yud is not there. Bin, Ya, then Mem, Nun. Memnun, without a yud in between the, the last two letters. So Rashi says, for some odd reason, you see what Rashi says? Like I'm, 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 it's like a joke, I mean, you could see it, but I can't. He says, Yosef, he lifts the names of all the tribes. Who was born last? Who was born last? Binyamin. So Rashi says, Binyamin Malay. That uh, when, when they etched the names of the tribes into the stones that were carried on the shoulders of Aaron Akoim, they wrote the name Binyamin Malay. They wrote the name Binyamin. There are two ways to write it. You can write it Malay. You can write it Chatzes. Since both of them appear in the Tanakh, both of them are correct. But they decided, then Rashi says, Rashi has to point this out to us, right? Do you remember this, Rashi? At the time you were children, you don't remember. It's been here for many years. This Rashi. Nothing has changed. So Rashi says, Rashi says, Cain who katu binkom binkom toladato. So when Binyamin was born, when the Torah tells us that Binyamin was born, his name is written in the Torah, Malay. So you know, like they say, like, uh, like, that's the address. You know, Shlomo Kavach used to say that. The first place. It wasn't only Shlomo Kavach. Balatanya said it. The first place that something appears, will, that's the place where the essence of it exists. So according to Rashi, where they came to write the name Binyamin, they wrote the name Binyamin Malay, because that's the way it was written when Binyamin was born. And, and as a result... What does that mean? That's how they knew they were right. Because when they wrote the name Binyamin, I guess they were like thinking about it. On the desert, they said, you know, what should we write? Malay or Chaser? They came to the conclusion that they should write Malay. But after they came to that conclusion, they understood they understood that they, that they were right because they counted the letters of the first six names and the letters of the second six names. You end up with 25 letters in each, in each group. And then they knew that they were right because otherwise it wouldn't have worked out. wouldn't have worked out so well. So again, what, is, what, what does Rashi say about the word the Tam? Rashi says several things. First, Rashi says, in the order of their birth, Right? In the order of their birth. Then Rashi says, Binyamin was written Malay. Binyamin, the name Binyamin was written Malay. And the third thing Rashi says was that, that because it was written Malay, there were 25 letters in the first column on the left shoulder and 25 letters in the right column on the right, on the right shoulder. That's, that's Latol Dotam. Let's just read a little bit more of the, the Psukim. Um, Masech Rash Evan, Pituchei Chotam, Fetech Shdeha Adranim, 
על שמות בני ישראל, מוסבות, משפצות, זהב תעשה אותם. They made these kinds of holders out of gold that were put on the shoulders of the coin and into those holders they put these stones on which the names, on which the names were etched. Was you put the two stones on the shoulders of the Kohen Gadol and they are Avnei Zikaron. What's Avnei Zikaron? Who's rem- who is remembering what? when you put these stones on the shoulders of the Kohen Gadol, Avnei Zikaron of Nei Yisrael, for the benefit of the Nei Yisrael, something of that kind. Benesa Aaron et Shvotam b'fnei Hashem al shtei k'teifav l'zikaron. So I have this odd thing, here's Aaron Aaron, he's walking around, and his whole job, his whole job is basically to look for ways of of protecting, of defending, of, of speaking in favor of B'nai Yisrael. And the reason he does that, the reason he can do this, is because he's got these two stones on his shoulders. And they are Avnei Zikaron, live B'nai Yisrael. And even though all of those words are pretty common Hebrew words, and even though we understand what the words mean and how they connect to each other, we don't really understand the idea. So Rashi, who is committed to helping us at these kinds of points, Rashi says this, Shirei HaKadosh Baruch Hu HaShvatim Ketuvim Lefanav V'yizkor Tzidkata To me, you know, like, sometimes uh, you, you read a Rashi, and it's so odd that you just go on to the next one, and sometimes you just accidentally get stuck. So what could this possibly mean? What could this possibly mean that the Kohen Gadol is speaking on behalf of B'nai Yisrael because he has the names of the Shvatim written on his shoulders so that when HaKadosh Baruch looks down at what's going on, like what are the people doing, so HaKadosh Baruch will be reminded of the righteousness of the, I guess, of all of Am Yisrael, because the Ruvay, Shivan, Levi, Yud, etc., all of, that's all of Am Yisrael, it's not just them. Not that, just them. That's what, that's what Rashi says. That's what Rashi says. Again, see the Zikaron, Shiyir, Eakad, Shibohu, Ashvatim, Ketuvim, Lifanav, V'yizkor, Sitkatam. To me, this makes no sense. I can't even begin to understand what, uh, what Rashi is explaining to us. So what all of this means. Okay. Now, I just want to introduce uh, uh, like the text of the Meishi Lach by, by looking at the following psukim. The first of them is in Shemot Perek Yud Gimel, a psukim that when Bnei Yisrael left Mitzrayim, HaKadosh Baruch said by Rabbi Hashem of Moshe Lemor, you see that, the third, uh, the third source. By Rabbi Hashem of Moshe Lemor, Kadeshli Kol Bechor, Peter Kol Rechem Bivnei Yisrael, Ba'adam Uva Ve'ema, Lihu. 
Okay, this is also a possible. I mean, look, uh, we seem to have a run of difficult psukim here. But this pasuk, even though it's difficult, it's very well known, and well-known psukim tend to be ignored because they're they're well known. It's like psukim that you don't remember that uh, attract attention. So what does this pasuk say? Hadesh called bechor, right? Bechor is the firstborn. Kadesh li, put aside for me, give him a special status. But that's not the hardest part of the Pasuk. The hardest part of the Pasuk is Peter Kol Rechem. Right? Peter Rechem Bechor, Peter Rechem, firstborn. Right? The first one out of the, out of the Rechem. Bivinei Yisrael. And then it says, Badamu Lihu. Now we know that there are mitzvot of firstborn animals. Peter Chamor, we know that there's Maaseh that you give uh, from animals. But what does this mean? Kadesh li adamu beima. Kadesh li adamu beima bechol. What 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 is the person talking about? What connection could there possibly be between Adam, who could really uh, uh, achieve kedusha, right? Could get up to some wondrous height of of relationship, his relationship to God, and the beima. I mean, well, what's the behemoth going to do with anything? You know, well, behemoth, you know, you could, you could take them or leave them. Some people like behemoth and some people don't like behemoth. Okay. What's it going to do with Kedushah? And how is it possible that the Kedushah of the behemoth, of the Peter Rechem Bechol of the behemoth, is compared somehow to the Kedushah of a person, of the Bechol? Now, you know that, that there was Makat Bechorot in Mitzrayim. The Bechorot, the human Bechorot, play a role in establishing the nature of Am Yisrael. Makat Bechorot, you remember? The Bechorot were designated to become the servants of God in the Mishkan, but after the Chet Ego, when they didn't separate themselves as they should have, but the Levim were the ones who went with Moshe Rabbeinu, so the Bechor lost his status and it went over to the Levi. But the idea of Bechor is still somehow ingrained. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, B'ni Bechori Yisrael. So it's like a mishmash. There's a Bechor, and there's a Kadeshli, and there's a Behemah. So how does this all come? So this is what, this is what the Pasuk says. Right? Petako Rechem. You're going to hurt yourself. Lihu. You see the second Rashi? Laatsmi. Kinitim al yudei shehiketi bechorei mitzrayim. Because God destroyed the firstborn of Mitzrayim, somehow God uh, um, appropriated the bechorot of, of Yisrael. There was some kind of relationship. Because the Malach HaMoghaz, as you remember, went to kill everything, right? He was willing to kill every Bechor. But God prevented, and like, uh, created a Shutafut, a partnership with B'nai Yisrael. They put this blood on there, on the Mezuzot. And the Malach HaMoghaz did not destroy the firstborn of B'nai Yisrael. But as a result, Rashi says, there's a special relationship that's forged between the Bechor 
and the uh, and the uh, and the Kaddish Baruch but that's only that's only the human Bechor what's it got to do with animals how the animals get into this how the animals get into this story okay so now let's look let's look at the um, oh there's one more posuk here right then it says here remember that posuk Atemtiyuli. What does this mean? Atemtiyuli mamlechet kohanim. This is before Mountain Torah. Kodesh Bochu says, Ve'ezhel, you will become a kingdom of priests. Now, who were the priests before Mountain Torah? Who were the priests before Mountain Torah? Who were the designated? The designated priests were the Bechorot. And if Hashem says to Bnei Yisrael, Atemtiyuli mamlechet kohanim, that means that all of Bnei Yisrael are going to be Bechorot. Not just the Bechor, not just the, the actual Bechor, but all those who were born in Eretz Yisrael become the Bechor. That's the, that's the meaning of the Pasuk. Now you know that the Rambam says at the end of Shemitah V'yovel, at the end of Shemitah V'yovel, the Rambam says that everybody can become one of the Bnei Levi. How did the Rambam know that everybody could become one of the Bnei Levi? Bnei Levi are the ones who were designated to work in the Mikdash and to teach Torah. Everybody could be Bnei Levi. If you're not from the tribe of Levi. How did the Rambam know that? I mean, it's a great Rambam. It's quoted often. But how did the Rambam know that? So maybe the Rambam knew it from this Pasuk because it says in the Pasuk, You will be Kohanim. Who? All of you. All of the Israel. Who were the Kohanim before this Pasuk was stated? The Bechorot, the firstborn of Israel, were the Kohanim. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Bnei Israel, it's true that you need a, a group of people devoted to, to the Avodah, the Beis HaMikdash. But in as far as those people have special status, they have special sanctity, that's available to everybody. And that's available to everybody through the Torah. So you see that this idea that everybody can become number one as long as they are connected properly to the Torah, that idea is already in the Torah itself. That's what the Pasuk says. Rashi says, Sarim Sarim. Kama Zotama. You know, that's what Kohanim is. Kohanim Rashi says it's Sarim. Sarim means that they're not, it's not a caste. It's not a, it's not, it has nothing to do with Yichos. It has only to do with potential. And the, the human potential in B'nai Israel is the same. So we had two Psukim. The first Pasuk was about Bechor and Peter Rechem, and we didn't understand the connection. And then, the second Pasuk, that everybody has the potential to be a Kohen, to be a Bechor, to be number one, and that may be where the Rambam gets his, uh, his distinction. Now, we turn the page. Let's see, let's take a look at this Meishiloch, right? Meishiloch, you remember, the Meishiloch is Ishbitz. Ishbitz. So Meshiloch wrote this, wrote this in Parsha's book. And I'll try to, ex- I have to explain a little bit, but I think we're going to get it. 
says, Kandashani Kobakhor, Badam Uvabimai. Remember that? That's the process we just read. Right, and we had this question. I can say Kadesh about Odom and Kadesh about Behima, and it's the same thing. I mean, like Behima, I mean, okay, I mean, I understand. God said, take the Behima, but what do you mean, Kadesh at Behima? Anyway, so it says this. Listen to this. Inyan Adam, so the word Adam in that pursuit. That's called Adam. Adam is from the neck up. What distinguishes an Adam from other creations, other behemoth, is his ability to think. That's what an Adam is. Uh, that's called Chochmah Umachshavah Shebemoach. It says when you when you think about what if you try to think of the essence of the human being, the essence of the human being is is to be able to think and to be able to express yourself, right? Thinking and speech. Those are the things that distinguish distinguish man slash woman. But but there's another part of us, of all the created beings, and that is that we can do things. We can accomplish things. We can, we can set out to do a task and get it done. So, so he says, so the way that the Meishelach looks at this Pesach is that it's a metaphor. And it should be read, Kadesh Li, every human being. Every human being. The Adam in him and the Behemah in him. And of course this reminds us, have you ever learned the Tanya? Have you ever heard some itinerant uh, Chabadic uh, going around and saying uh, Tanya-type stuff? Uh, the Tanya talks about the Nefesh Abahamis that's inside of all of us. Now the Tanya, of course, came before the Meshimach. But the idea is, the idea is that we are composite. And everybody knows that we're a body and a soul, right? You know, that kind of thing. But the Meshimach says it in a different way. He says that, that we are, our nature is, to be thoughtful, and to be able to express those thoughts on the one hand. And the other, the other capacity we have is to do things, to make them happen, to, right, you know, so that that's called behemah, because the animals in the world only have that capacity. They have, you know, they do things. They do things they do again and again and again. They don't, they don't usually leave the pattern. And therefore, that's the behemah inside of us according to the Meshimach. Right? So we have an Adam inside of us and we have a behemah inside of us. And therefore, when the Meshimach reads the Pasuk, right, it's on the, on the first page, next to the last uh, source, is Kadesh Nikol Bechor Peter Kol Rechem Yisrael Ba'adam uva behemah. 
where HaKadosh Baruch Hu derives us to, uh, directs us, I'm sorry, to try to achieve Kedusha, whatever that might mean, he directs us to achieve that Kedusha in both aspects of ourselves, in, our, in the part of us that could be called Adam, and the part of us that could be called Behemah. And that's not insulting, that's the way we are. We are thinkers, right, and, and uh, conceptual analysts, but we're also doers, where there's the Adam in us, and there is the Behemah in us. Adam that Yeshua comes to Adam and Behima. Who is Adam and Behima? Us. We are Adam Ubehima. Because we have those two qualities. So that that the the uh, a great thing in this shot, the great thing in this shot is that the, without there's no behemoth in the Pasuk anymore. Right? There are no there are no animals. The animals are irrelevant to this Kaddishly called the Chor. Adam Uveima is talking about man slash woman. That's the only topic in the Pasuk. The Adam who Hamachshava Uveima Romez Al Hamaaseh. Since it says it, he says it clearly. Adam is the thought, and and Uveima is the Maaseh. That's what that's what we are able to do. So the greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu, what enabled Moshe Rabbeinu ultimately bring the Torah in the world, was that there was no behemoth in Moshe Rabbeinu. He was all Adam. He was all Adam. He was all Machshava. That's all, that's all there was. And this is the explanation of why uh, Miriam and Aaron were mistaken when they came to berate Moshe Rabbeinu about his family life. And they didn't understand that he was Adam. He was completely Machshava. And since he was completely Machshava, he couldn't, uh, couldn't have a Ta'ana against him. He couldn't argue that he was doing something wrong by Arcane. And then he goes on and he says, you know, that's why the Torah, when it tells you things, it tells you about ma'asim. Take a lulav, eat a matzah, build a sukkah, right? There are all these ma'asim. Because what has to be, because what the Torah is trying to address is the behemah in us. What is the behemah in us? The capacity to do things, to work. So the Torah gives us things to do. In order to turn the, the, the behemah part of us into Kedusha as well. And that is the learning of the Torah. I mean, it's interesting also, in the light of this Meshilot, that, that, there's a, that the way people learn Torah in Yeshivot, right, says what's called a, like the Lithuanian method of learning, is very impractical. It doesn't ever come to Lema'aseh. You know, in fact, there are, there are people who write articles, there are articles about halachic matters, and they say, L'halacha v'lo lema'aseh. What does that mean? It means, I really enjoyed learning the material, and I like writing the article, but don't pay any attention to what I said. 
know, this is like a very rare form of intellectualism. Uh, so the idea that the Torah, the Torah can purify, that's kind of obvious. But the Lord comes to the the Meshulah, uh, the Meshulah says it also purifies the behema in us, not only the the Adam in us. Now, can call the Torah the Beret Haikam Masim Lapoel Hainu Shigam Hamasei Ye. מזוכח in the place that separates Adam from Behema. Like the Adam of Adam from the Behema of Adam on his shoulders. On his shoulders so that they represent and on those shoulders, on those shoulders, the place where the, like the highest place of the Behema in man, right, that point, that juncture, the, 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 uh, the Kohen Gadol came into the Beit HaMikdash and turned to heaven and so to speak said, so to speak said, we're trying. Right? We're working on the, we're working on the Adam and working on the Behemoth. It was as though Aaron Cohen said to HaKadosh Baruch, we understand. That's always the greatest prayer of all. Right? The prayer that says, I need something, well, that's not such an imaginative prayer. But the prayer that Aaron Akoin came into the Beit HaMikdash to do the Avoda with, with was, I understand. I understand what the issue is. I understand what we have to accomplish. It's the Adam and it's the Behemah. And it's Am Yisrael that's working to, to conquer this problem. And so when the Avnei Shoham which is what we're talking about, were placed on the shoulders of Aaron which is the place on the body where, where the behemoth and the, and the Odom kind of meet together, and you announce Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, so you announce all of that, that it's like a statement that cannot be turned down by heaven. Yes, I know what we're supposed to be doing. Yes, we're trying to accomplish what it is that the Torah wants us, wants us to accomplish. And that is because, and so, Rashi says, Kitoldotam. Kitoldotam means as they were born. Because we all know that birth, that the moment of birth, or the moments right after birth, are moments of the greatest purity in terms of like, like a child, a baby. A baby has, there's nothing... Um, impure in the, in the actions of a, of a baby. You know, it takes while, a while till we have the capacity to teach our children to be impure, right? But a baby, a baby can't lie. A baby can't steal. A baby can't, it, it was, can't, you have to learn those things. And unfortunately, children learn that from their parents. So that, that the, uh, uh, Kitoldotam 
means that what we're trying to do is recreate the Adam Ubehima as he was born, as the birth of that Adam Ubehima took place. So the Meshiloah, the Meshiloah helps us out on this by changing the Pshat of Adam Ubehima from a man, an animal, to a man who is composed of Adam and also composed of Behemah. And that in the Beit HaMikdash, in the Beit HaMikdash, this comes to, an, to a head somehow. If you look at the last source, the last source on the second page under the... The Torah says, again in Tetzaveh, So the, the Torah says that there's a korban tamit a perpetual sacrifice given twice every day once in the morning and one in, once in the afternoon so then there was a nesach of yayin there was a libation a wine libation given with the korban. So each korban, each korban tamid, once in the morning and once in the afternoon, uh, has a meal offering that goes along with it and a wine libation that goes along with it. This is what the Torah is saying. Ola tamid Let's look at this Pasuk Hashem. Again. Pasuk Men Bet. That's what the Torah says. This is a perpetual sacrifice given forever. Petach or Moed. Lifnei Hashem. Asher Iva'eid Lachem Shama L'dabe'eid Lachem I want this sacrifice to be given in the same place where God speaks to man. In fact, God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu. God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu was, was Moshe Rabbeinu, according to the distinction of the Meshilach, he was Adam. He was Moach. He was all, all in his head, so to speak. You know, because he was the, he had completely overwhelmed the Behemah in him. The next pasuk says, "We know Adet Yishavel of Nei Yisrael, the Mikdash Bichvodi." So there's a there's a maaseh, right? There's a maaseh. What's the maaseh that the Torah directs us to do? To give korban tamid. That's the maaseh. That maaseh, that maaseh will uh, fashion the behema in us. Because it turns our capacity to act into a capacity to, to make the meeting between God and man actual, actually happen. It actualizes it, right? So in other words, that the Beit HaMikdash was, as it says in the Psukim, it's based on the idea that you could neutralize the Behemah in man and turn it all into the Adam of man slash woman, right? That you neutralize, you neutralize the behemoth, and you become the 
the Moach. Because what does the Torah say? You'll give the Kobot Tavit. You'll give it every day and every day. What's going to happen? There'll be a meeting between heaven and created man slash woman. There'll be That's what the Pesach says. Moses Ben Gimel. So this pattern that was established by the Meshi Loach can be seen as being vindicated in the Psukim of the Torah. And then the last Pesach says, so then there's two kinds of Kadesh there's like you do something but then if you do it if you're able to neutralize the behemoth in yourself like the Maaseh to turn the Maaseh of man into an exalted kind of Exalted kind of activity, and you know, in the, in the secular world, in the secular world, uh, that's what they tried to do that for, for hundreds of years, right? You know, it's like, uh, like uh, people are painted and, and they sculpt and they do architecture, and what is all of that? In other words, they can build houses, but they don't build houses, they do architecture. Because what, what is architecture? I mean, I'm going to tell you something now, I don't really know that much about it, but I'll say it anyway. Architecture is the attempt to turn a physical activity that you need, you have to build a house, for example, to build a building, into a spiritual activity. And therefore, even though it sometimes seems to be a little bit exaggerated, nevertheless, it's probably correct that you could talk about the spirit of architecture. Just so you could talk about the spirit of music and the spirit of art. I mean, these are attempts that we make, we, man, slash woman, make to turn ma'aseh into something that is beyond ma'aseh. Because we start off like the animals, like we do things that we have to do. You have to dig a hole in the ground to store things. You have to put up a wall to protect yourself. I mean, that's what we do. We do do that. But eventually, eventually we try, it seems, to turn these perfunctory acts into spiritual achievements of their own so that we, uh, we don't build houses, we architect them. Right? We don't sing songs, we play, we make music. I don't know if that distinction is, uh, is correct, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean, music is not just that everybody walk around humming to his own tune. Music is something that is exalting. I mean, most people would agree to that. Whereas, so it turns the ma'aseh, it turns the ma'aseh into a kedusha. And so HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises that if we do this, if we work hard to turn ma'aseh into kedusha, the last pasuk, v'kidashti et omu eivet ha'bizbeach v'daron v'etvanava kadesh, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we try, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will notice Aaron and Banav, who are wearing the clothes of the Kohen Gadol, the Eifod, and the Avnei Shoham, which has the names of the Nei Israel, right at the point that distinguishes the Moach and the, the Moach and the, uh, and the Maaseh, or the Moach and the Behemah of us, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu promises that he sees this attempt that's being made, that we give the Korban Tomid every morning and every afternoon, and we do the proper thing, and we try to, to do Maaseh, 
sanctify the Maaser. We have to shech the animals. We have to collect the blood. We have to do all kinds of things that seem kind of a little, uh, um, you know, annoying. Nevertheless, if we do them right, we're promised that the result is going to be a meeting between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Kohanim and the Beit HaMikdash because we're working to neutralize that Behema within each one of us. The, the, uh, okay, so that's what we talked about. Avnei Shoham as representing uh, an attempt to kind of grow in uh, spirituality. All of the Shvatim are found in this meeting place between the Moach and the Maaseh. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu seems at the end of the parasha Tzaveh to actually say all of that. Say, if you'll try, then this will be the result. This is what is going to happen. Along the way, we also try to explain that a Bechor, like there are two kinds of Bechorot. There's a Bechor in Maaseh, and there's a Bechor in Machshava. Everybody can be a Bechor in Machshava. Right? Everybody can try to be the one who is connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This may be the Pshat. In the Rambam, at the end of Shemitah Biyoga, where the Rambam says that everybody can be one of the B'nai Levi. Even though, of course, they can't. Only B'nai Levi can be B'nai Levi. But the idea of B'nai Levi is available, is available to everybody. Have a good Shabbos.